Now, social media, the internet has created what I call the wild, wild west, right? And so we have to just be diligent because now it's like people can assert fair use claims under like reposting a, a photograph or reposting, you know, a viral meme and things like that. And if it's just for fun, they're not attaching um, any commercial gain to it, then that's different versus if someone is trying to sell a product or service from it. Most times when you, when people leave school, it's hard to go back. Yeah. Um, especially when you say you're adding a child, there's a career. And having a young child and being a single mom and going back to school, I can't imagine. Like for me, it was a struggle going back to school and it was just me. Yeah. Um, so when you, when you do that and you're, again, starting from get an associate's, go to a bachelor's, go to law school, finish law school, what was your support system like? Yeah, I, you know, um, I always tell people they need to secure the brand so that they can secure the bag, which in turn secure their legacy, right? And everyone is talking about generational wealth and generational and, and creating a legacy. And really like you can't, you, you can't sell nothing or you can't control anything. You can't have a legacy if you don't own it. <laughs>
how do you how do you plan out life like did you always like start focusing on what needs to be done to get to that point you know um it's crazy that you say that because um i remember you know everybody they asked you in grade school what you want to be the answer was always lawyer for me and then I went to a vocational high school in Chicago where I majored in cosmetology and I actually, you know, was doing hair and things like that because I knew like I was going to have to take care of myself some type of way. And um, it was actually in high school, Groundhog Day, um, my high school did like this um, event where we get to go shadow people and my cosmetology teacher was responsible for us because that was my major and she was like who do you want to shadow and i was like i want to shadow a lawyer and she was like really i was like yes and she was like i actually have a lawyer friend that you could go shadow and so for groundhog day um i went and shadowed the lawyer in high school and then um you know coming out of high school um i was pregnant with my son like probably a year later 19 and that was around the time where it was like getting a little bleak for me maybe like law school wasn't gonna happen like mm -hmm. you know i was starting to feel like i was starting to kind of lose my way a little bit but um like after he came i was just like you know what i really gotta focus and get back on track because he didn't ask to be here and i know i can provide such a better life for him if i just really pursue this dream and so that's when i like really really focused and like really was like okay because uh, initially i went to a big university uic and it just like it wasn't for me and i ended up dropping out of college and then i was like no i really want to do this um because i remember like working you know i was living on my own at this time um had like 15 bills to pay you know um, <laughs> as a single mama and so i was just like you know what let me figure this out and so i was like I, I i i see this struggle and i don't want this to be my life you know and so i was just like let me focus on how can i get back in school so i actually enrolled in um a, a small business college that had an evening program um got my associate's degree from there and then i was like okay it's time to switch jobs so that i can go get my bachelor's degree and it could be convenient so i just made sure like i always set it up where it kind of worked with my lifestyle and yeah. it was so crazy because it got so discouraging because i would talk to people and they would always tell me like in order to do this you have to go this traditional way you have to do this traditional route and by like my time in undergrad getting my bachelor's degree now you know i'm with child with my daughter who's 17 now but i'm pregnant with her now and so now i'm like well i can't do it the traditional way um i and but i always just stay focused and was like i'm gonna be a lawyer i'm gonna be a lawyer um and then my last classes i majored in paralegal studies um and under because i'm like the quicker i could get to the law is just by being around a bunch of people who talk legal ease and is lawyers right because most right. of these are taught by like adjunct professors who are lawyers and I remember um, my last semester in undergrad I took intellectual property law for paralegals and that professor she was like you know Rosina you really should go to law school and I really want to write your letter of recommendation and I was like amazing because I really want to go to law school <laughs> and I was going to ask you to write me a letter of recommendation so it just happened like that um I just say like I just you know I never lost focus like I, after that one point when I did when it was kind of gray like once my son like he was here and I was just like you know what I really have to keep my eye on the prize and that's kind of like what I did it's crazy because yeah. he just made 21. wow yeah wow so yeah. it's I think the interesting thing is one most times when you when people leave school it's hard to go back yeah um especially when you say you're adding a child there's a career and having a young child and being a single mom and going back to school i can't imagine like for me it was a struggle going back to school and it was just me yeah. um so when you when you do that and you're again starting from get an associate's, go to a bachelor's, go to law school, finish law school. What was your support system like at that that's, time? That's a good question because um, 
at the time, like when my son came, um, you know, my current relationship, he was incarcerated. And then, and then you're the first person, I, I don't know why I feel so comfortable with you. Cause I'm like, I ain't never really talking about this part. But he was incarcerated, <laughs> but when, once he came home and I got pregnant with my daughter, um, you know, he was very involved in the kid's life as I was working and going to school and things like that. Um, and my baby girl who is 10, she actually came my last semester of law school. And like, I remember like, look, I know you don't know how to cook. I know you don't usually go grocery shopping. I'm usually the one to do all this, but I'm gonna need you to figure it out. And like, he really like figured it out. Cause I remember someone telling me like, you gonna have to eat, sleep and live the bar exam if you wanna pass the first time. And so like having that baby, my last semester of law school, and then preparing for the bars and why I have a three month baby at home. And also too, my mom stepped in. My mom had just retired from UIC at the time. Um, the state job that I mentioned, she worked there earlier. And I say God makes no mistakes because I don't think I would have been able to concentrate and really focus 16 hours a day in a library with a three month old home had it not for me knowing she's with her father and she's with my mama, the person who like took care of me. So right, right. yeah, and my dad, like my dad, like he would like, I'm a daddy's girl. He'll like, like if I call him right now, daddy, I'm in Jamaica and something ain't right. He coming, you know, I'll be telling him like, I need you to be like the take daddy. If somebody come, you better <laughs> put some ring skills to, to work and come get your baby. He's like, I'm coming, baby. So like, you know, like we have that relationship. So my father has always been a strong support system. My mom, um, even when she really didn't, like my mama wanted me to sell real estate. <laughs> like she owns real estate property. Like, but when she, when she really like understood like, oh, she doing this. She was like, just my number one children. I remember telling my mama like, Ma, I'm worried if I'm gonna pass the bar exam when I'm the first time. And she was like, actually, we had this same conversation my last year in high school about passing my cosmetology exam. And my mom made me stand in the mirror and was like, like it was so, it felt so weird, but so empowering. And she was like, say in the mirror, I'm gonna pass this cosmetology exam. Say, and, and so we did that and we did that again when it came to the bar exam. And, you know, I passed the first time with three kids at home, with a newborn at home, but it was all because of my support system. It's my mom, my dad, my husband at the time, he's my ex-husband now. And then my, um, my brother and my sister, like they really came through for me. I remember people used to ask me, like I was working and going to school, Rosina, how are you doing all this with them kids and this? And I used to be like, please don't ask me that. If I try to figure it out, I'm like nervous right now. But now that I can reflect and go back, it's, I always say, but God, like, yeah. he, like he really lined it up and he really like just created the alignment for it to happen. Yeah. But God. Okay. To date, like I still don't like to try to figure out how I do things mm. because it becomes overwhelming and I get stressed out and then it's like, I, I shut down. So right. it's, it's like, well, you're doing this and this and this and this. And it's like, I don't care. Don't talk to me about it. Like we can talk about a thing, but we're not going to talk about all yeah. of it because I'm going to get yeah. frustrated. Yeah. Um, and I used to tell people, it's just like Nike say, just do it. Like right now I'm just doing it. Like, please don't. I don't have the brain power to figure out how it's getting done, <laughs> but I know it's getting done, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's getting done. Don't don't focus on it. Right. <laughs> what made you what made you go into trademark law? And this is really interesting because I had to figure it out on my own when I started the magazine. Mm -hmm. So what made you what made you pick trademarks? So of course, my dad wanted me to be a criminal attorney, right? Because he had all these criminal law connections and things like that. And um, even when I was in high school um, and working at the beauty salon, which was one of my first jobs, um, I had, um, I call her a role model to me because I'm from the west side of Chicago and she was from the west side and she was the first person I'd seen to leave to go away for college. And she went to Howard University and um, I always wanted to go to Howard University. I couldn't do it because I had some kids, but 
um, you know, we talked about like what type of law I was gonna practice. And I was like, I think I'm gonna do international business law. And she, and I think that was her major at the time. So I was just like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let me do international. I didn't know what the hell international business law was. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant or anything, but I knew I wanted to do something related to business and mm-hmm. business law. And um, then, you know, fast forward, took that paralegal class and I was just like, oh my God, I really love this. Like it made sense to me. It was just clear, like, okay, if you're going to be a business owner, you need to own your brand. And so I was just like, it was fun. Also too, I think for me, it's most rewarding that I knew that I will be able to work on something, work on a matter and then come out into the public and see it. Right. And so I was just like, okay, at the time it was, it was entertainment law and it was intellectual property law and helping entertainers like acquire ownership through their creations um through intellectual property law because one of my you know favorite people i used to watch with my dad was sanford and son and then my dad told me that fred sanford died from a heart attack while they was just taking all his stuff away and i'm like how did that happen like how he this man is on tv like every single night like who's watching out who's looking out and i just knew i, I didn't really understand what i but i just knew like i wanted to be able to look out for people that look like me because i just knew in that instant somebody was not taking care of fred sanford right and they died like that we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back All right, so I know you guys enjoy listening to Suave Sessions while I'm talking to some of my favorite celebrities and interviewing them and finding out more about their lives. But I'm also on a podcast with five of my friends from childhood, and we've been friends for over 30 years. And now we're coming back together as adults and having conversations as grown men from the Black perspective. It gets a little funny. There's some of the topics that we talk about, things from relationships, uh, for these guys being fathers, husbands, Uh, We talk about police brutality. We talk about things from music to fashion to culture to what the standards are of being a man. What it's like to have a guy coat. Check us out. Look us up on any podcast platform that you're already listening to right now. It's GQ The Podcast. That's G-C-U-E The Podcast. Check us out. Have some fun. Come laugh with us. And I think that's what's is what's interesting, even down to this um, the recent like Beyonce and Khalees arguments. Like I, I got into like serious arguments with my friends, and I was like, it's not about who owns what. I was like, somewhere in there, there's ownership because somebody got paid, and it's like you have to figure out. People think celebrity means you own all of your stuff. And that just means that you could potentially be working for someone else and they own everything and you have no ownership of your own creativity. So it's, we make a lot of mistakes in jumping for fame and not protecting ourselves. So now, next question, when you see the ability of people going into influencing, people call themselves brands and aren't protecting themselves as a brand. What are the things that we're making mistakes in by jumping into things too quickly because money's there? Yeah, so the biggest mistake I think is we're starting to just build things that we don't own. Like, you know, when we go to build a house, what do we do? We make sure that the land is first secure indeed, right? Where we own the land before we build the house. And it's just like, that's the same thing in business. Like, why are we building brands and businesses that we do not own? And so I think the biggest misconception, especially among black entrepreneurs is that, oh, if I got my LLC, I got the domain name, I got the social media handles, I own it, but it's like, 
Facebook and Instagram does not give you the power to own things, right? Um, GoDaddy and a hosting site does not give you the power of ownership. Um, you know, your secretary of state is only, they only have power within your state. So who gives you that ownership? Like, and that's where people have to understand. That's why we go to the federal government so that we actually own a brand at least across the nation, right? And even the federal government can't give you ownership throughout the world, right? You have to go to different countries to secure that registration. So for me, it's just like, I'm not going to put the cart before the horse and I would like all of my potential business owners to be proactive instead of reactive as it relates to ownership, right? Just look at the young man. Um, I think his name, I can't remember his name right now. It's just, you know, but he wore the free shirt, right? To all these Hollywood parties. Um, I'm going to pull his name over. I think his name is Lamont. Um, he wore the free shirt to all these Hollywood parties. And then a year later, Balenciaga has the same design, right? Shirt and now Diddy's in a commercial, you know, rocking the shirt and things like that. But if you don't claim ownership to our, that's, that's I think too, that has happened too much to just the black creators period, right? Especially with the music industry, um, blacks inventing things, but not getting full um, ownership rights and claims to it, right? And it's just like, at this point and this time we have we i like to create the access or at least give the knowledge so that we can acquire the ownership yeah and i think that that is a a big misconception is that i have a website i have an llc nobody can take this from me yeah and it's like but did you register it like are you do you have your trademark and do you have your copyright and it's that step is skipped because a lot of people just really don't understand that part of the business yeah so it's like you pay legal zoom however much you pay them to register your business and you think you're fine and you're not right exactly exactly i see it often like right now somebody in the dm right now i'm talking about they went through legal zoom and it's an issue so now they want to hire us. Um, I've been in meetings and I'm, I've been meaning to tell the social media manager to respond to them. But that's typically what happens, right? And sometimes a lot of us, we like to, you know, we like to utilize the cheaper service and things like that. But what we have to understand is like, you know, we are lawyers. This is a part, this is a legal process. Not only is it a process with the government, it's a legal process. And so you want to make sure because anybody can file an application. You can file, you know, you could file an application for yourself, but does that application actually support you if you need to enforce your rights? Just like, you know, recently a $33 million lawsuit was brought against LeBron James for the more than an athlete trademark. But when you look at that registration, it does not support a $33 million claim, right? See, people also too, you have to understand that trademarks can coexist in the marketplace as long as they're not in the same trader channel. That's why we have Dove Chocolate, Dove Soap, Mac Makeup, Mac Computers, Delta Airline, Delta Faucet, Pandora Jewelry, Pandora Music, right? So you need someone who can properly advise you. Like you're not, like, yes, we filed the application, but it's the counsel and the advisement that you you get that's the value in that relationship that you're going to take away from it right like for me like turbo taxes can't do my taxes right because i need to put in some planning and some strategy with my cpa who is an expert who is watching the tax laws and things like that so that i can save more money and not pay more taxes but doing it in a legal way. And it's the same analogy to when you're working with a trademark lawyer, because it's like, we're not just securing the name for you, but we're securing your brand. We're securing your investment that you're putting into this business, right? Because you have money that you're investing, time that you're investing that's at stake if it's not secured properly. And there's a whole lot of people who can have their businesses snatched out from underneath of them because they just haven't registered properly. Exactly. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <clears throat> People, the what's it called poor man trademark. Is that correct? 
how people call it that? Um, they call it a poor man's trademark, poor man copyright, but those are not even recognized in the court of law, right? Um, with technology, people can like falsify documents and things like that. You can try to use them as evidence, but also too, we all know that the government likes to regulate things, right? So that you could pay them. And if you have not paid that fee, that filing fee, that processing fee, they don't recognize that, right? So like, yeah. the, if you want to have your copyright protected, you need to go to copyright.gov, right? The copyright office and file that copyright. If you wanna have your trademark protected, you go to the USPTO.gov. And if you wanna have your patent protected, you go to the USPTO.gov as well. Those are different types of intellectual property. Another one is trade secrets. Now trade secrets is the only type of intellectual property you do not register with a government um, entity. And the reason being is because it's supposed to be a secret, right? But other than that, like, you have to register your brands because you could mail that piece of paper to yourself, leave it in your stamp envelope. But now if somebody go and file the trademark with the trademark office, right? And based on public perception, they are the, the rightful owner to, to those rights. So now that burden of proof shifts to you to prove that you are the owner. And there is something called um, common law use and prior rights as well. And I feel like there's a lot of misconception around that because sometimes certain lawyers who do not practice, they're not real trademark lawyers. They'll be like, oh, well, you can assert your common law rights, right? But how much, but they don't tell you how much it actually costs to assert your common right laws, right? Because nobody knows about you if you sit in your little state, right? Um, and you you operate in your business and they say, for instance, you're in Illinois and they're in California and they do a search, nothing comes up regarding you and your business, right? They search the USPTO and you're not registered there. So they file the trademark, right? And so now if you wanna search your prior use or your common law rights, now you have to pay a lawyer to file an opposition to their trademark, which an opposition usually takes at least two years if no settlement is gonna be reached, right? And how much do lawyers charge? Like for instance, for our firm, I mean, we charge to take those cases $3,600 a retainer. And then if it goes past the first 60 days, it's a monthly $1,000 retainer fee, which we're about to go up on it because we just can't afford that low rate anymore, right? But think about that. That's almost $25,000, right? If it goes the full two years versus you paying $1,500 to just get the application on file and which if you're on file, your trademark is registered. If that person did a thorough search, they probably now will be detoured to even use the name because they see it's already registered. Right. And it's, it's crazy because I think we're just, there's so much ambition on starting a business and everyone wants to jump in and just start. It's like, let's just, let's just go, let's make money. And like you said, you're just, you're on horrible foundation. So in most cases, like taxes aren't set up right. You're not registered at your business properly. You probably haven't even done your certification with the state. You didn't even look in the trademark because, you know, that's probably not a big deal. I don't have anything to copyright. And it's like you start making mistakes that cost a lot of money on the back end to fix. So it's, it's, it seemed and it's made to seem like it's very easy to just jump into business. When going into business, where should people start? Like, what is, like, what's that, that first step that should be done before jumping in and starting business, even if it's just selling t-shirts on Instagram? Yeah. And I, I want to adjust that too, because, you know, I do want to tell people, yes, just start, right? Because we want to make money. We're all here to make money, but because I'm a trademark lawyer and I didn't see some things, okay, two, two worst case scenarios, right? Say you just start, right? And you order, let's say 1500 units for t-shirts, right? And you spend about $10 a unit, right? That's what, $15,000, right? 
you get your t-shirts in, you post it on Instagram, right? So far, you probably just sold a hundred t-shirts and then you get a cease and desist letter from someone telling you that they own the name that's on those shirts, right? And now in that cease and desist letter, they also are demanding that you turn over any remaining inventory that you have so that they can destroy it because they have that right under the law if they are the rightful trademark owner, right? So yeah. I I would be um I would be almost negligent to tell people to just start as ambitious as we want to be, right? Or say for instance you do just start. I've seen this happen too. You start and the brand takes off, right? I have had a client who made over a million dollars in eight minutes, right? The mm. brand like is just, it goes crazy, right? And people are loving the brand, but now you have all these different copycats, counterfeiters who are popping up, right? And you don't even have a registration to like support it. and. A lot of counterfeit is coming from overseas, right? But guess what? If we have the trademark certificate, we can register that with the U.S. Border um, Customs and Border Patrol. And where if they inspect any of those containers and it has some of your counterfeit products on it, they will confiscate that. But they will only do that if you have a trademark registration, right? right. So it's like it's it's other scenarios that can happen with people just starting, right? Or, for instance, like. You're doing your trademark. I mean, you're doing your business. It takes off. It's successful. And some devious person, say, for instance, a bitter business partner, right? Or bitter ex, go and file your trademark, right? And, and say, they're the original company. You're looking like, and, and trust. I have cases that I'm fighting that these situations have happened, all situations that I have given you, right? So I would like to tell people to just start. But because I know the possible consequences of it, I'm like, this is like, this is more important than buying your inventory first, right? And what I would say is to start, like, where do you start, right? First, you start with developing a unique name, right? You want the name to be as unique as possible. Like everybody's talking about Kim Kardashian and Lori Harvey with the skin thing, but mm -hmm. neither one of them have distinctive names, right? Like it's both of them have skin and they both selling skincare brands. And guess what? They both have even other prior users that have prior rights before them, right? That has a trademark on file. So because skin is so common, you wanna start with something distinctive. Like great examples of distinctive names is Nike, Kodak, Exxon, Disney, which really those names don't mean anything as it relates to the product or service that they provide. Therefore, if you're a competitor or, um, you know, an infringer try to use your name, you know, the, the details is very clear. They're only using it to infringe upon your brand. Right. But also right. if the name is unique, um, it makes it easier to register with the government. Right. Like we won't possibly see that many or not any challenges because no one is really using a name. So once you develop the distinctive name, the unique name, I will say now it's time to do the research, right? And this is a, a part that everybody skips over, right? And by researching first, search the name at uspto.gov. Just see if anything come up. Now, what I will tell you is that your search is going to be different from our search, right? Because as attorneys, right, under trademark law, it's not about what's the same, but what can be deemed confusingly similar. So even though your exact name may not come up, it might be something else that may cause a conflict or issue to the trademark. So that's why you want to hire an attorney to do a thorough search for you. But just search the name, start there. Um, Google, do a Google search, search the name in social media um, platforms and things like that. Like start there first, right? And then once you start there and you got a clearance and nothing is never 100% clearance, right? But mm -hmm. at least you've done some research, you have some research. And then from there, we can now say, okay, We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Life is full of uncertainties, often showing up unannounced and at the most inopportune moments. They affect our personal, professional, social and emotional experiences. 
Like a chess game, life is all about the moves you make. Life Matters with Mario Brown LLC was started to assist you in this area. Mario offers private, affordable, virtual, individual coaching sessions. The benchmark of his three-point faith-based service model is non-judgmental listening, reasonable goal setting, and comprehensive strategies for desired outcomes. With over 30 years of pastoral and itinerant ministry, Mario realized people often merely need someone who is not connected to them and on the outside to see their situation from a different perspective so they can reach solutions that will give them the outcome they desire. If you're ready to make new moves, need guidance, and insights of holistic living, Life Matters with Mario Brown is the service you need. Please feel free to contact a representative for more specifics on how to become a client by visiting www.mariocbrown.org for more information. That's www.mariocbrown.org. Welcome back to Swap Sessions. Is it smart to go out and spend ten thousand dollars on fifteen hundred unit shirts? Right? Is that something we like? Is that a risk that we're willing to take? Right? So it's all in business. We also have to, you know, we have to weigh our options and our risk factors, right? And so, like, that's where we want to start at. Okay, because that's. Again, it's a step. It's a step that skip. It's just you went to the t-shirt guy, got a bunch of t-shirts, went to the screen print dude, got a bunch of screen printing. Now you're on Instagram, you're selling your shirt, and then somebody else is selling the same thing on Etsy, and you're upset. But it's like I started doing this back in 2019. They just put their first one out yesterday. How do you prove it? How do you fight it at that point? Right. And it becomes expensive. So it's like either you pick that battle and you fight it or you say it's not worth it and you let it go. And then again, you either lose money or both of you are printing the same stuff out and nobody's saying anything to the next person. Right. So and you know, I have been through processes where clients have to do a whole rebrand, right? And to be honest, some of them have fallen into like depression, right? Mm -hmm. um, grieving, like, like they're losing a bit like that they've been tied to right for the past two years blood sweat and tears and it's and one client actually she told me she said rosina this is a grieving process for me right yeah. and so it's just like to have like someone who can go through that with you because yes lawyers will demand that you turn your product over to them right but also as a good lawyer, I'm going to try to negotiate a phase out period for you where we don't have to turn the product over and we can sell what we have on hand and that type of thing. So it, you know, it's, it, it's hard. It, it really, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you just took $10,000 out your 401k to invest in a business, all for someone to tell you everything you just purchased is no good. Yeah. You can't sell it. Yeah. Um, another big thing that we, do in business is we create an umbrella. So you create one business and then you plug everything else underneath of that one business and think that that is okay and everything is protected. And now finding out that you need to have registrations and trademarks for every business as a separate entity, even if you're putting it underneath of the umbrella. Yeah. Is that accurate? That is very accurate. So one thing we, so, okay. So I always feel like I have to explain to like the purpose of incorporation, right? Because people think, oh, I got my LLC, I'm good. But so the purpose of incorporation is to shield you, the individual owner, from any legal liability that is to arise out of the business, right? It's also tax beneficial, right? Like you can have some tax benefits if you are incorporated. I'm using incorporated as a verb, right? Because not all the time the LLC is the best entity type for you, right? You might need a corporation, right? Or you might need a partnership. It depends, right? depending on your business, what you're doing. But okay, say for instance, you have, let's just say five businesses. I'll, and in this case, I'll use people in the beauty industry, right? So mm -hmm. say for instance, you do hair, you sell hair, 
you sell hair products, right? You have your own brick and mortar salon where you where you do the, and you teach educational classes, right? Mm-hmm. Say for instance, you have moved yourself from behind the chair where you're not really, you just take clients here and there, but you really are educating people more so than anything, but you mm-hmm. have other people working in the salon for you. The hair that you're selling, right? Hair weave that you're selling is a multi-million dollar business by itself. But all of these, all these companies or subsidiaries is under one brand. So let's say someone comes in and they slip and fall in the salon by the shampoo bowl. And your insurance policy only covered up to a $30,000 limit, but their lawyer is arguing that they are have a million dollars in damages. Now, because you have all of these business under this one umbrella, all of the income that you receive from all of these businesses are at issue at this lawsuit right so first and foremost you want to separate them to insulate them from each other right so i will have say for instance the hair and the products that's one business in itself the salon service that's another business by itself right and the educational classes that's a whole separate business so if someone comes in and slip and fall if at any issue the insurance does not cover the only profits that's at issue of liability is what comes through that business and that business only because everything mm-hmm. else is separated it's kind of like i always give the example of diddy right mm-hmm. he did i'm not sure what his um fine i mean his business structure looked like and things like that but i'm hoping right revolt is one business right mm-hmm. the rock is another business right um i know he sold sean john but i think he's buying it back but that's a whole nother business right bad boy records at the time when it was in that's a whole separate business so if someone wanted to sue revolt tv or for sexual harassment or someone wants to sue Sarak because they say you know their family member got drunk off of it and died from alcohol poisoning right they can't tap into all those other businesses because they're separate entities in itself and then it goes to the trademark right so people be like oh well can i trademark my name, my logo, and slogan all under one trademark application. If you want to protect it like that, but that's how, that will be the trademark. That's how you will always have to use it. But if you want to own your trademark so that they can be independent of themselves, they need to go under separate registration. So for instance, example, Nike. Nike owns Nike, one trademark. They own the swoosh symbol, another trademark. They own Just Do It, a whole separate trademark, right? And each one of those trademarks can be valued, right, as a different valuation, right? Now, those trademarks might be owned by just Nike IP holding company, right? But they're separate trademark entities because they want to be able to utilize those brands in separate instances, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> when you When you trademark a logo, for instance, if you have the logo changed in any way, you have to re-trademark. Yes, that's a great question, right? Because trademark is vested into usage. So this is why I always tell clients, let's use McDonald's, for example, right? McDonald's, right? They own McDonald's and standard characters, but they also own McDonald's, the logo with the golden arches, right? Mm-hmm. But that logo has been changed, I think at minimum, nine times we did a post about this nine times over the course of the past 70 years right but a trademark will last as you long as you use it you will not lose it right coca-cola has been registered since 1893 mercedes been registered since 1903 right mcdonald's because they own the name mcdonald's and standard characters those Mm -hmm. rights will always carry over throughout time because whether they use it However they want to use it, they have the flexibility because they owned in the standard characters, right? But because they have these logos that they trademark too, but they change over time, they still don't lose the rights to their name. So that's why you do want to trademark your name and standard characters, right? And your logo separate. Now, the only time I would recommend pairing your logo, because I always say the law is not a one size fit all garment, right? So what may apply to McDonald's might not apply to your business. So um, I had this client who um, she sells sex toys, okay? And um, her, the name, um, a name that she used within the brand is Pleasure. 
So when we searched the, the trademark for pleasure, what we found was that a lot of people in the that industry, right, use the word pleasure, right? So that's not a distinctive term. So in order to make it distinctive, that's when I'm gonna recommend that she file the trademark with it being paired with the logo because the name itself is not distinctive by itself. So that's the difference. Got it. With social media influencers, um, because everyone is kind of like tapping into this now. What should they be doing as far as trademark is concerned? Do you trademark your name? Do you trademark your your image, your likeness? I've, before we get into that, I had a situation where I did a photo shoot and one of the photos from the photo shoot went meme viral. I have no ownership of that photo. So it's like, while it's popping up everywhere and it's my face, I get nothing from this. So knowing that how social media is working now and people are promoting stuff, even that the Popeye chicken sandwich commercial and people started seeing their face on the commercials, like those kind of things. How do you protect yourself in the world of social media and being an influencer to make sure that like you're represented, you're gonna get, get money if your image or your likeness or whatever is used. How does that work now? Yeah, I want you to send me your um, meme too that went viral, so I want to see it. But okay, so gotcha. um, you cannot trademark your likeness, but you own your likeness, right? And so basically for an influencer, I would say first and foremost, trademark your name because if you are using your brand name, I mean your name as a brand, you want to own that name so no one can just utilize your name when they want to. Like Beyonce owns her name, Meek Mills owns his name, Jay-Z owns his name. But it has to be in connection to a product or service, right? But let's talk about like likeness, right? Here's the thing. So as far as photographs, right? whoever, and this is under copyright law, not a, not a lot of people even understand this because it applies to logos too. As business owners, when we hire a graphic designer to create our logo for us, technically they own the copyright unless we have them transfer those rights to us in what we call a work for hire agreement. It's the same thing with our photographs, right? So if a photographer is taking pictures of you, right? But if you're hired to do a campaign um, as a model, right? Typically they have you sign off on what's called a model release, which is saying like they can use your photograph anywhere they want to, your likeness anywhere they want to, right? And you don't own any rights. So typically the photographer owns the copyrights to the photograph, unless you have the photographer sign off on what we call a work for hire agreement, and they're gonna transfer those rights to you. Now, why is that important? Because a copyright lasts 70 years plus the life of the author, right? So the, and there's no statute of limitations when it comes to intellectual property law. There are some defenses that we can assert, right? But there's really no statute of limitations. So the photographer who took the photograph of Michael Jordan in 1984, when he was at UNC on that popular um, photograph of him on the playground, like, you know, dunking a ball or whatever, that photographer just recently sued Nike in, I think, around 2015. Now, 2015, he took that photograph in 1984. I was two, okay? Mm -hmm. He um, <laughs> he just sued them in 2015, stating that the Jumpman logo, okay, the logo itself is a derivative from his work that he created from the photograph that he took at UNC. And he felt he should be paid royalty payments for the logo of the Jumpman logo. How much is the Jumpman logo worth? How much you would think? I would say probably like 70, 80 million. I'm gonna say billions, right? It's probably evaluated at a billion dollar um, a logo um, where it can be acquired, right? Because the shoes sell about 70 million a year, right? So the valuation of that logo itself is billions and he's asking for royalties from 1984 all the way to 2015. Now, under copyright law, the court says that the work has to be substantially similar to the original work, right? And so the court ruled that it was not substantially similar because in the photograph, Jordan arms and legs is not as straight as the logo itself, right? But 
Nike had to defend that lawsuit. Nike had to hire lawyers to argue that, right? So that's why you want to make sure that the paperwork is in line. So as a business owner, you own all the intellectual property assets under your business. You best believe all those animators at Disney that's creating all those animations, right? They're on a work for hire with Disney where they Disney owns every work that they're creating, right? Now going to likeness, um, a company or anybody should not be able to use your likeness for commercial purposes without your permission right so um for instance like you said the, the picture went viral if people are just reposting it that's fine right but the mm -hmm. moment somebody now um attach it to commercial use meaning they're selling a product or a service now they don't have your permission to use it for commercial purposes unless you gave them the release to do so so um, that's where they can um, actually be sued for that. Um, also, a lot of people lately have been using celebrity likenesses, right? And celebrities are public figures. So they have a heightened standard that they have to reach, right? So you can create newsworthy material on them. You can create educational material on them. But the moment you attach their likeness to a product or service, they can sue you. Michael Jack, I mean, Michael Jordan won. He be suing, he he gets his paper, okay? But he, <laughs> he, he won a lawsuit against a grocery store um, in Chicago and they are no longer even here anymore. They attached his likeness to some steaks that they were selling, steaks. And um, he won that lawsuit. It was over like millions of dollars of lawsuits that he won. Clint Eastwood just recently sued a CBD company uh, for attaching his likeness to their CBD products. He won that lawsuit as well. So you have to be careful. I always say like, don't use people images and things like that without their permission because there is consequences to it. Now, social media, the internet has created what I call the wild, wild west, right? And so we have to just be diligent because now it's like, We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Life is full of uncertainties, often showing up unannounced and at the most inopportune moments. They affect our personal, professional, social and emotional experiences. Like a chess game, life is all about the moves you make. Life Matters with Mario Brown LLC was started to assist you in this area. Mario offers private, affordable, virtual, individual coaching sessions. The benchmark of his three-point faith-based service model is non-judgmental listening, reasonable goal setting, and comprehensive strategies for desired outcomes. With over 30 years of pastoral and itinerant ministry, Mario realized that people often merely need someone who is not connected to them and on the outside to see their situation from a different perspective so they can reach the solutions that will give them the outcome they desire. If you're ready to make new moves, need guidance, and insights of holistic living, Life Matters with Mario Brown is the service you need. Please feel free to contact a representative for more specifics on how to become a client by visiting www.mariocbrown.org for more information. That's www.mariocbrown.org. Welcome back to Swap Sessions. Like, people can assert fair use claims under like reposting a, a photograph or reposting, you know, a viral meme and things like that. And if it's just for fun, they're not attaching um, any commercial gains to it, then that's different versus if someone is trying to sell a product or service from it. Mm-hmm. So basically be careful or get sued because we don't want you knocking on our doors. <laughs> so, no. so if you're coming, it's a problem. I mean, hopefully I'm, you know, I, I can represent, you know, 
people on your side. So, you know, I'm not knocking at people doors and we are educated and we, you know, and that, this is why we, we do things like this so that we can reach different audiences and just educate them on like how to best protect ourselves. Like, I do believe that, you know, as the black people, we are very magical. Like I do, I wholeheartedly believe that we're, we're amazing creatives, right? And so um, I remember the issue of the, the young lady who went through, um, she created Black Vogue and she went through a situation with Vogue. Well, that's their Vogue, that's their brand name, right? But we're magical enough where we create our own stuff. And we, I mean, I do believe like you can, anybody can argue with me, but I do believe that we, inspire popular culture like can't nobody move until we create something you know but we the last ones to profit from it right and so how do we set it up so that we get paid for what we are creating and inspiring within you know our society and that's through ownership making sure we own it first right yeah and that's what it's 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 a it's all it's often a conversation that everything we do is stolen from us and the conversation that I've been having with people recently is like everything we do is stolen from us because we don't do it correctly. So if we do it correctly, you can't steal it. And then if they steal it, you can fight and they get it back. But as long as you're setting it up improperly, they gonna keep stealing it because mm-hmm. you're giving them the platform to take it once it's popular. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and one thing, if you own it, like, they gonna have to dispute that ownership in court and in public, like in, in a public formal, right? Like, because there's mm-hmm. Twitters and there's, you know, Instagrams and things. And, and uh, now they don't want them problems. So they usually try to go away quietly and things like that. And hey, like just, you know, really quick, Mixed Chicks, right? Mixed Chicks is a brand that created uh, a popular hair care brand for, um, you know, um, women who are mixed and their founders, they're mixed women and Sally's approached them to sell their products in their store and they declined. So Sally's went and created a whole brand called Mixed Silk and it looked very similar to Mixed Chicks, right? Because Mixed Chicks owned the trademark and they owned that brand. They took them to court and they want an $8 million lawsuit from them, right? Only $900,000 of that was out of the profit Sally's made, right? Mm. The other $7 million was the punitive damages that they were able to get under the statute because they had a trademark registration. So like, it's very important. It's very mm-hmm. important. Okay. Last question, I promise. Um, yeah. when, you, when you trademark, is your trademark a lifetime trademark? That is a great question. So remember I told you, as long as you use it, you will not lose it, right? But you do have to maintain the trademark. So after you have it registered, you have to file maintenance documents is what we call it between your fifth and sixth year anniversary. And then thereafter, it's between your ninth and 10th year anniversary. And then it's every 10 years thereafter. So the Coca-Cola brand that I told you that was registered since 1893, Coca-Cola has been filing maintenance documents on that trademark ever since, since, uh, what, 1903, like every 10 years thereafter, right? So um, they do still have to submit and show, like, so I guess their 10-year usage period probably will be coming up for 2023. So they will have to show because the government wants to make sure that you're still using it. Because if you stop using that trademark and someone can prove that you stop using it consecutively for three years, they can say that you abandon your rights and someone else can step up in place and take over that trademark um, and utilize it for whatever reason they want to. So that's very important. Happy you asked that question. So you you trademark it, but you better do what you gotta do because you can be doing everything else except the legal side of it and then lose your trademark to somebody that's sitting back waiting for it. Mm-hmm. Yep, because trust me, it'd it be people out there waiting. Maybe well, they wait. wait. <laughs> yeah. They wait. Yeah, I, you know, um, 
I always tell people they need to secure the brand so that they can secure the bag, which in turn secure their legacy, right? And everyone is talking about generational wealth and generational and, and creating a legacy. And really like you can't, you, you can't sell nothing or you can't control anything. You can't have a legacy if you don't own it, right? I'm sitting here in Jamaica and Bob Marley, his legacy is everywhere, right? But his family does a really great job with making sure that they maintain his trademark and they, that he has his legacy be protected, right? Um, and he's able to do that because he's a famous person and a lot of people like to use his trademarks and his likeness, right? And so um, it really is just, it's more than just like making sure you file your trademark because the trademark lawyer says so, right? But it is something that you can pass down to, you know, your family. Um, it, it, a trademark can outlive you, right? Like think about whoever created Mercedes or Coca-Cola, like I'm not, sh I don't think they're around anymore unless they got some type of rich money pill that, you know, <laughs> still got them around here. But, um, you know, like a trademark can outlive you. And it really, like, I think people sometimes think of like, oh, we're a trademark firm. And it's like, we're actually, you know, trying to provide our clients with something so much deeper where it's like allowing their kids and their kids' kids to have something of ownership, right? Like the Hilton brand the Gucci brand, like these brands exist and they have long, long lasting legacies because they do such a great job with making sure that they own, right, what they built. So that that's what I would say. And I would just say, you know, um, I absolutely love what I do. Um, it'll be 10 years for me next year that I've been practicing this law. Just got rated number 32 out of 33,000 trademark attorneys in the country. My firm is number 37 out of 28,000 trademark um, law firms in the country. And I really think like I'm on God's assignment because I really just wanted to finish law school and get a big job working at a big law firm or um, working um, at a big company, like helping people. But, you know, when I finished law school and was able to finally sit home and be home when my kids came home from school, I was like, oh my God, like I've been missing out on motherhood and I really wanna be there. And I think God had me conflicted in that moment because he had something more powerful and profound for me to do, which is what, the professor planted into me after passing a bar, he said, you know, you will go a long way serving the underserved. And I really believe that small business owners, creators, influencers, um, entrepreneurs, we are the underserved when it comes to accessibility to legal knowledge and legal, um, legal practices within our businesses and what we're building. So um, that's what we're here doing, serving the underserved. Perfect, I love it. Yeah. All right. Um, this was great. And I think it's, it's really important for a lot of people to understand what they're getting into. Um, because again, we just, we jump into business like, like it's masterpiece selling CDs off the trunk. It's, there's a lot you can lose very quickly that you work really hard for by not doing the right thing because nobody's telling you to, that's what you need to go do. Yeah. Um, and mailing letters to yourself is not it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not, I won't cut it. Yeah. And also to mentioning Master P really quick, I think we can learn a lot from him as an entrepreneur. He's very smart and things. And one thing he was very big on when he entered the music business was ownership. Like he said, mm -hmm. I paid 25,000 to sit down and talk to Michael Jackson lawyers to see how was he one of the richest people in the industry? And he understood it was the key of ownership. So when people came to him with a million dollar deal, it was so easy for him to decline it because it was like, mm -hmm. it's not about the money. How much do I own? And we don't want to own 100% of what we're building. I just had that conversation with someone last night and I was saying how people go into the industry. Basically, we were watching this movie called um, This Is 40. And they were talking about the older guy that was like a musician and how this guy wanted to sign him. He was like, well, how's he going to sign him if he doesn't have any money? And I was like, that's where you messed up in the music business because getting money when you get signed is just advanced money. You still owe that record company that money back. So yeah. that's not saying you own anything of your music. You just took a $500,000 check 
not realizing you have to give them back that $500,000 from whatever comes from you. And then you have no royalties, you have no copyright, you have no ownership of anything. And now this label owns you, which is why you see people fighting and scratching and scraping to get their images back and get their money back and get their music back later on down the line. Cause all you worried about was the money on the front stack. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and it's so crazy. Cause like you say, we big eyes, right? Cause the money, the check, right. But us really not understanding what comes in exchange for that, right? And it's like the ownership. And I think Cadillac Records, the movie, did a really great job yeah. when they were chasing the character Wolf, right? When he was just like, you know, no, you can't buy me. I, I own, you know, and it was so sad because he ended up having to pay for a lot of his label mates' funeral just to be buried, but he had the power to because he kept he maintained his ownership rights. And like you said, everybody's so interested in what the check is. And I, you know, a lot of the independent artists nowadays, they're now starting to understand that concept. And they like, you know what? I got the internet, I got YouTube, I could do this myself, right? And so, mm -hmm. it, you know, I think, I think change is coming. Um, we just gotta get the message out more far and broader to everyone else. Yeah, there's a lot of, businesses that started during COVID. And a lot of us think that since we registered with Brad Raffensperger, that we're fine. And that ain't the case. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to let you go so you can enjoy Jamaica and enjoy your vacation and your birthday. Um, happy birthday in advance. Thank um, you. You're very welcome. 